1: That's 1 613 1612, or send an email to info at be the star Now, back to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Be the Star You are.
0: Well, hello there, power partners, and thank you for joining us here on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, where we are your personal growth coaches. My name's Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Rittman. And of course we're here with you every single week bringing you extremely phenomenal authors, ideas, and helping you to live the best life that you possibly can have. And we'll have you know both Heather and I are living very full lives that um, are also full of meaning, and we want you to be able to do the same thing and to have that as well. so today we're going to be talking about how to find your purpose in segment one, and then following that coming up in segment two. Joel Gibbons will return to us. He's the president of logistics research. He's a financial engineer. He's the author of several books. And this time around, he's going to share his timely analysis of today's economics in his uh, book, Dysfunctions of the Welfare State. Very interesting stuff. And then lastly, we're going to go into the coaching corner. And today, you are going to get some free media tips or how to be a great radio, TV guest, or if you have to be in front of print. So lots of good stuff today. The Miracle Moment is brought to you from the book, Be the Star You Are, 99 Gifts for Living, Loving, Laughing, and Learning to Make a Difference. You can buy autographed copies at bethestarur.com. And the Miracle Moment is when you find your purpose, you find your life.
2: And, Heather, Mm -hmm. I think
0: that we both would agree that when we are passionate and purposeful about something, we enjoy life so much more, and we feel like we are living a life of meaning. So we're going to talk about uh, and try to help our listeners find their purpose today because sooner or later all of us question what is the meaning of life, and we don't always have a satisfactory answer. Now, as a coach, I have many clients come through And they're on different stages of personal growth, and they kind of are always asking, what now? And especially in this economic situation, is, you know, how can I have more of this? How can I have more of that? But the bottom line is that we have to start where we are and how we find our meaning in life. How do we find our purpose? So, Heather... What do you think, how do people start searching for the meaning in their life? What's the discovery process like? How do, what do we, how do we learn to live fully?
2: Well, something, you know, we've always discussed is that happiness is an inside job. That for so much in life, we're always, you know, if we depend on others and look for it in some kind of falseness, we're going to be left with that emptiness. And a big thing, one of your mantras has always been, you know, make your passion your profession. But there's definitely a thin line between that. There's you want to have that wake up in the morning of oh god I gotta go to work, not oh god I gotta go to work. Exactly. I always <laughs> say that. I love no, that. So there's, mm-hmm. there's so many things that defining and in life you can be very passionate about a lot of things, and you can be. in life. I, I always like to think there's a lot of good. There's a lot of things I'm good at, but I want to find the thing I'm great at. And at the same time, you know, we were talking about there's so many things you're passionate about. You've got to make sure it's something that you're not so passionate about that if it became a profession, you're going to lose the passion because as wonderful as it is doing something you love every day, at the end, it is work. And if you believe in something, you know, it's going to be hard. There's going to be struggles. So you have to keep that in mind. A lot of times people, when they want to venture out into an entrepreneurial thing, let's say, for example, they love to cook. And they think I want to be a chef. You know, ever since I was a kid, I love to make meals. Um, But then they might, you know, they go to culinary school or what have you. They get the correct training. But as in everything in life, you have to crawl your way up. You know, before you can walk, you have to crawl. And I know. You know I, I don't know anybody
0: and, who just started walking, but uh, but I guess there probably are. Yeah,
2: and you know, and, and with those things, there's eventually you have the ability. If you have that passion, you can be very successful. But there's always, you know, there's always setbacks. There's always struggles. There's good days and there's bad days. And so the main thing is that you know you you can determine if is this something I'm so passionate about that if I was working every day that I'm not going to be passionate about this that it's going to become a job. So, you know, really sit there and find something that is passionate about, that I'm willing to take the struggles, that I'm just even more going to love this job, knowing that at the end of it that I'm doing this and this is something that's feeding my soul. Um, the big thing, you know, you have to, in order to feed the soul, at the same time, you got to keep in mind about feeding the belly. If this is something you're really passionate about, but unfortunately if it's something, you know, economically it's going to cost you, some you of those things of laying all down to make sure that your passion um, truly, you know, isn't going to take away anything from you. And one thing that you've always taught me is sit there and come right down what are the things you're good at. You know, are you an introvert? Are you extrovert? Do you like to work with your hands? Are you someone that would, would ideally would love to be doing something outside all day or would you want to be inside? Put all and, and, you things know,
0: before down. you go forward, I just wanted to say that what you just said is really important uh what are your strengths move to your strengths so often i think we've been taught in school situations you know that we have to learn everything and so what happens is we become the master of nothing and then we don't like things so when you move to your strengths when you ask yourself what are what do you love to do who what, what are you what would you do if if somebody didn't even pay you, what would you like to do if somebody didn't even pay you? That's when you find your passions and you can always find a job in there somewhere. And so that was really an important thing that you said is to go to your strengths.
2: No, and and, and just you know, again to pay on that it that's something you, and be idealistic about it. That um you know, sometimes people say, I want to be an actor, you know, I I but They've never acted before, or they get so nervous in front of people, and you know they just—it's one of those. So you have to realize something that you—if there's something you're good on your alone time, and regarding performing, you have to—are you able to share that with the world? Or sometimes people love are amazing writers, but it's almost so personal what they're... They put so much of themselves in it that the thought of someone, you know, reading this essay they wrote or this story, it would feel like someone reading their diary. So And,
0: you know, that's real... I want to address that about artists since, you know, I work with artists all the time and I've been coaching acting for almost three decades now as well as anything in the entertainment business. And just about everybody I've ever met says, I want to be an actor or I want to be a model and this can be the same thing because I coach writers too, is, you know, I want to write. And, but the thing is, is are you really willing to put in the hours and the energy to learn the craft? I mean, it's one thing to think it's going to be easy, and it's another thing to really believe in yourself and be willing to study and work and work up to it. And with the writing, what you're saying is absolutely critical is, uh, are you going to be talking about things that are going to upset your family or your friends? And is that okay with you?
2: Mm-hmm. Another thing I suggest, uh, test things out. Sometimes we think we, you know, sometimes we, we might, there's always a honeymoon escape. You might take a class and think, I, you know, I'm going to be an English professor or, you know, suddenly I want to be a mathematician. Sometimes go through the honeymoon, live it out. A big thing you always do with us is that we get all gung-ho about doing a new sport or picking up a, you know, a, a musical instrument, and we get a couple weeks into it, and decide I don't like this anymore. I don't want to do it. And your big thing was always finish what you start. So you, you booked, you decided you wanted to do a season of soccer. Finish the season of soccer, you decide at the end, you don't like soccer, you never have to go back again. And a lot of times, you know, you're, there's the honeymoon stage, there's, you know, the hard stage, and then when it comes to the end, you know, the climax of it, you either decide, you know, I want to take this class again, next year. I want to take this sport. Um, you know, I want to stay with this, and so for a lot of times, people may get really excited about an idea or a job, and they kind of make that their all plan, and they get into it and realize they really don't like that anymore. Um, they and then they feel in that stuck, you know, rut. So it's good to kind of test things out. Maybe if you think, um, for example, you as you've grown up, you've always loved animals, and you think you want to do veterinary or you think you want to be in that atmosphere, you know, go volunteer somewhere. Get your hands, you know, get your hands dirty, get your feet a little bit wet, and see is this something you could really do. Uh, I know for myself when I was a kid, I, I mean, not to say that the schooling-wise wouldn't have been challenging, but I always thought I wanted to be a veterinarian because I love animals so much. And then I spent a summer um, just kind of uh, volunteering, not really just kind of doing the busy work around a veterinarian office, and I realized I would not be able to be there because of all the animals, unfortunately, they had to put to sleep or right. animals that you know, and, and that was one of it. the most eye-waking
0: experiences, I believe, for you because with your love of animals and how animals are attracted to you, it's like you were always the animal whisperer. I was so sure this is the path you were going to follow. And yeah. that really was a uh, a really good wake-up call that, nope, this isn't what was going to be your passion. You love animals. But you couldn't be a vet because exactly. it, it so, does involve things that you
2: don't want to do. And very much so. So the animals are still a passion of mine, but that wasn't my purpose. That wasn't my calling. And and so that's something too that don't feel, um, don't. I think in life sometimes what we think we are at third, at at fifteen may not be who we are at forty, and that changes. And it's okay to have you know a career change or a lot. You know you and oftentimes in today's society you hear of these people that lived the corporate life, were very successful, and now um, they're the happy. they're living, they've started a nonprofit, or they have a farm, or they're doing something that's really feeding themselves, something they never imagined, or one day they just decide, I don't want to do this anymore, I want to open a cupcake factory. You know, there's so many times things in our life change, our passions change, and it's important just as you can have many purposes, um, it's just kind of honing in on what's really going to feed you. That's why I say test things out. Um, your purpose as, you know, as the year changes, life just changes and what you may be needed somewhere else may change. You might, um, get involved in one thing and it, because of that connection there, it might spurt something else. I know that's happened to me that I've met someone and been really inspired by what they do and looked more into it and tried things out. Um, you know, it's kind of like trying on a new pair of shoes. You wear, you wear things, and some some can last through the ages, and others, you know, after a while, you realize you don't like anymore. Um, well, but the, I think too, something else that you can do that really
0: can make a difference for you is um, to write everything down, to get it down on paper, and to start. You know, you might even want to start making a journal of all your different passions like you were talking about uh, and the different things you like doing so that you'll see a pattern that is emerging. And when that pattern emerges, then you're going to be able to figure out a little bit more, okay, what is it that uh, that I'm going to be good at? Uh, you know, And if we use some of these talents and the qualities that we have, we can probably figure out, uh, what we are supposed to be doing. And one of the things that I've always I told clients to do, and I do it myself, is to make sure you follow up with everything, even if it seems a little far at, far-fetched. far If someone says, oh, call Susie, because I think she may have something you may be interested in, call and at least have the conversation, because you never know what's going to come of that.
2: And that's so great you say, because I have to say, um, I learned that so many of the connections of people I've met in the and in a room where there was one person I thought, Oh, this is gonna be the person that's gonna help me out and I might have gotten a card or someone else had said, Oh, you know, call me and I kinda of wrote off that person in the end it turns out that the person I thought was definitely, a, was the one that ended up coming through with nothing and the one that I really was gonna write off and just happened to call it was the person that got me somewhere. And it's a thousand, connections are so huge. And I actually yesterday, excuse me, I'm losing my voice a little bit, Um, I, out of all craziness I went and I, I got this Facial massage and it being, you know, a holistic thing. The woman had me do this visualization. It's trying, you know, just trying to relax my mind so I could absorb all the greatness. But her, what she said is, you know, imagine anywhere, where somewhere you always wanted to go or you wanted to be. And and I told her, and she said, you go there and there's someone sitting there that you admire, that's just your inspiration, whether you know them, uh, they're a political figure, famous, someone, and they ask you, what is what you need to receive? What is what you're here to offer? What is your purpose? And just that kind of kind of chattered away all the mind chatter going on in my mind and just kind of put that role in motion, that focus, and kind of just put you on that path of visualizing. And it's really, even though she's, you know, it's a uh, – it's kind of a, a psychological thing. I'm thinking, okay, I'm, I'm fulfilling her thoughts. It's really me in my mind. Now I'm starting to go through my soul and trying to look and think, am I doing my purpose? What, what, what is the thing for this year? What am I here to offer? What am I here to receive?
0: Well, in uh, that light, I think that a really good visualization is to either sit in a comfortable chair or lie on the ground and do some deep be- uh, belly breathing. Shut your eyes Relax, breathe in slowly, and then picture someone who could be a mentor to you. And it could even be, so it could be us. You know, even if you don't know us, you've had us on the radio for, since 1998. So think about how we would coach you, for example. And then listen. Just breathe in, breathe out, and think about all the things that interest you and introduce yourself to that. And do this visualization to see how you can make the world a better place and be living your passion. So I think that this is a really important uh, an important way that we can all make a difference and we can all learn to live on purpose and to live with passion and to have great experiences in our lives uh, if we will identify our skills. So Heather, just wrap it up with a final word and let's give out the websites
2: final word of today is that you are capable to make your passion your profession. And if you're in a job right now that you're not passionate about, go out in your life and find out the things that you are passionate and make sure you have that plan And if you're ready to venture out, financially, all those things that you can do this. But just know, if you can't make it your main occupation, make sure it's at least part of your life to fill your life with passion. So with that being said, we want you to check out the website, get the book, check out the radio show. Go to bethestarur.org, bethestarur.com, myspace.com, forward slash, Carmody Clutches, both with a K, and carmodyclutches.com.
0: Oh, that is excellent. Well, you can live your dreams and and make a difference in the world. When we return from break, the multi-talented expert in finance and economics, Joel Gibbons, will present the realities of paternalism here in America with his book, Dysfunctions of the Welfare State. Don't go away. This is fascinating stuff. I am Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brittany. And I'll be back in a bit.
1: apathy violence and negative messages are everyday occurrences in our country you can be a change maker when you dare to care by supporting be the star you are charity a 501c3 that empowers women families and youth through improved literacy positive media and tools for living visit www.bethestarur.org to find out how you can make a difference in our world everyone counts that web address again is www.bethestarur.org be the star you are. .org. You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. That's one 613 1612 or send an email to info at bethestarur.org. Now back to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Be the star, you are.
0: Well, you are listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, and I am Cynthia Bryan. What is happening to education, science, engineering, medicine, and financial institutions today in our great United States? Well, according to Joel Clark Gibbons, the wealth of any nation is equal to the productivity of its people. In his book, Dysfunctions of the Welfare State, he takes three timeless principles of economic science, applies them to America. Now, you met this professor of mathematical science, Before, with his book, The Empire Strikes a Match in a World Full of Oil, and we are delighted to have him return with Dysfunctions of the Welfare State. Welcome back, Joel, to Star Style. Be the star you are.
3: Thank you, Cynthia. It's great to be back.
0: Well, you know, you you don't cease to amaze me with uh, your expertise on such a variety of subjects. Talking about Dysfunctions of the Welfare State, one of the things that you say the title really has nothing to do with welfare in the usual sense that we're thinking about it. It's really about the economic policy of paternalism, where today in America we are looking to Washington to solve every problem. What is the cost, the economic cost to us that, that is happening because of this paternalism that we are kind of all giving over, giving over our power?
3: Well, I uh, it would be pretty hard to quantify the the cost. I'm not going to promise to do that, but in concept, uh, the cost is uh, we're we're kind of chasing the money instead of chasing the productivity. Uh, I caught a little bit of Heather's uh, comments about uh, doing what uh, inspires you. Do do what you do best. Um, and uh, we're chasing the money uh, against uh, Heather's advice. We're chasing the money uh, instead of chasing what we do best.
0: And see, this is I totally agree with you. Is that we can live a full life, and we can also live a life of meaning. So we can have money, and we can have meaning. But we're we're no longer doing that anymore. You talk a lot about the globalization. You use some of Adam Smith's manifestation about specialization you know, being limited to the extent of the market. Mm-hmm. What is What has happened? It, you, you made a comment in here that I thought was really interesting, is that uh, Americans are an industrious and optimistic nation because we've always had the freedom to improve our wealth and our station in life, but we're no longer leaders in mobility.
3: Yes, that was, uh, as I started to do research for this book, got of reaching out uh, to... Uh, you know other people and their expertise that was uh kind of a shocking finding and and it uh I gave it uh, i hope uh ample play in this book the uh, America is by no means the leader in upward mobility, which is i mean would traditionally be considered almost synonymous with america uh the the uh, i guess sociologists who studied this one group uh, one study i cite uh Argue that uh, they they happen to be located in Denmark, so they use Denmark as an example, and they argued that there's more upward mobility in Denmark than in America.
0: You know, it's it is a rather scary fact because what I when I'm reading your book, "Dysfunctions of the Welfare State," it seems that we are headed towards being almost a third world nation. We've become too complacent, and I think we have been following it, you know, chasing the almighty daughter, dollar so much that the greed has become overwhelming.
3: Yes. The, uh, the money has become an end in itself, and that's bad economics, uh, and it, it's, it's uh, just bad living or you know, unsuccessful living. Uh, the economics is the science of the creation and exchange of value. Uh, and the the signals that we get from the welfare state, and y- you uh, pointed out correctly that it's, it's welfare state is not uh, an issue of welfare programs. It's a it's a state, a paternalistic state, a state that is uh, that takes as its responsibility kind of uh, looking after people's lives, looking after their welfare, um, and it uh, it has obscured the, the simple fact that that each of us you know has to look at how we can create value. Uh, and we have a, we have a, a social process called economics to, to exchange value so that I can uh, produce a lot of uh, what I do best and you can produce a lot of what you do best and uh, we meet in the marketplace and, uh, and cooperate economically. But but that's what it's about, uh, and uh, but the the welfare state the paternalism uh, really gets in the way of that.
0: Well, something else that you brought out in the same light that really made my mind turn, and it's, as I'm reading this book, I keep having more questions and more questions. Is that one of the necessary ingredients of being successful as a nation is? Not only what you import, but it's what you export. It's the buying and selling. And also what's happening today, it appears, is that America is being bought out by foreign countries. And so you you uh, referred to the auto industry, for example. And we really don't have a Detroit anymore. I mean, it's uh, Washington's having to subsidize Ford and and GM, and instead Toyota owns the marketplace
3: right, very true. Uh, your, your question, I'm going to follow up on, on the, so the first part of your question, which is um, that we're not exporting. We, we owe an enormous amount of money uh, overseas. Uh, foreigners have been willing to just accumulate the, the dollars, uh, but they're not going to do that perpetually. And uh, so we have, uh, we have a choice. We have to either export something of value to to earn those dollars back, or we have to start selling the assets. Uh, the that's possible. Uh, that's what Britain has done. They sold the they not not the Tower of London, but they sold the London Bridge. Uh, they sold Harrods. They've, they've just uh, sold you know, the progressively selling England to you know the highest bidder.
0: And they're becoming a third world nation.
3: <laughs> yes, yes, that is. Uh, and as I, I think I mentioned in the book, um, although that is a way to to get the dollars back, uh, you should, we should stop and think how well that worked for the American Indians.
0: You that I, that was the line. I re, I'm so glad you brought that up because that was you talked about that in the chapter, and that made my mind real. Is this is exactly what our American Indians, Native Americans, did? Was you know they just sold off their land and sold off everything, and now what happened? So this is where we're we're kind of back to that stage one again. I look at the entertainment industry, Joel, where, you know, we don't have um, ABCs that are owned by somebody else. You know, it's Sony owns something. All the big companies now are owned by foreign companies.
3: Yeah, yeah. It is uh, a great deal of, uh, well, here is a nice anecdote. I was talking once with a California vintner. And uh, they, they were just about to have a, some sort of a, a confab uh, bringing in uh, uh, winemakers, vendors from around the world. And uh, the, of course the, the whole program was to sell California grapes. And he said uh, the, among the, the visitors were a Japanese group. and uh, so they took them aside and you know uh, uh, explained the wonders of California grapes and said, okay, you know, you know, how about you place an order? And the California, and the uh, Japanese fellow explained, uh, Japanese don't buy grapes, we buy vineyards. See, uh, you know,
0: it's interesting you bring that up, because my family is in the wine industry, growing grapes since, well, they came, they came over from Europe, to um, help start a winery, two wineries in the Napa Valley, one of which has been sold off to an Australian, you know, it's an Australian company that owns it. So this little family-owned winery that became very big in the world was sold off to an international company. I mean, it—it it it's crazy-making. It's very, very, we're living in different times. Mm. What is that doing to us, and what do you think? We can do to change it. How can we stop looking to Washington to solve all our problems? I mean, look at our problems now. We talked about the oil issue the last time you were on, which is just such a, a you know a mega, mega forefront of the news these days. But what about medical care? There is another huge problem we have.
3: Yes, yes. The uh, there are there are uh, uh, many. Uh, Crucial issues or, or, or vital issues in, in healthcare, but two of them kind of have to do with economics. Um, the uh, but I'm going to step back uh, a bit and, and answer your question a little more broadly. What can we do? The each you know starting in, in childhood when you're most receptive to new learning. Uh, each person has got to. Uh, can, you know, commit himself or herself to to make a difference and to get prepared to make a difference and to make a difference in families. Uh, we we make differences, uh, you know, cooperatively and especially uh, husbands and the wives working cooperatively. Uh, the I, I advise my own grandchildren and, and other young people uh, don't expect to catch on with you know, the General Motors of this world, or the Caterpillars, um, expect that you're probably going to make it on your own, as uh, that you're going to have a bundle of expertise and energy and commitment and enthusiasm, and uh, you're going to, in essence, hire that out.
0: Well, and, in, and just to interject there, you start the book by talking about your father and how he grew up with nothing, and yet... He what he made of himself, and in my opinion, the advice that you're giving to your children and grandchildren is so important that we all take it in and give that to our children because the generations have become children that believe in entitlement, that, you know, they're going to go to work for a company and they're going to get a paycheck and they're going to have health care and retirement and all that, and I'm in total agreement with you is if it's to be, it's up to me.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, the this is the genius of this, of this uh, great uh, insight of Adam Smith, the, the, that the uh, specialization of labor is limited to the extent of the market. In our case, in large part because it's not only our market, but uh, we sit at the center of the world uh, economy, our market is astronomically large. Anything that you do that creates value will be rewarded. You, you know, you may or may not be Warren Buffett, but no one is going to starve who creates value. Uh, so, uh, well,
0: let's repeat that again. That's an important word. That's really important. What you just said, Joel. No one who creates value is going to starve. We really we have that ability and the responsibility to make meaning in the world as well as as the money.
3: Yeah. Yep.
0: That's a very important statement. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I, th- I think so, and it. Uh, I-, I think I think uh, young people respond to it. I think they're uh, they're aware of it. George Stigler, who was my advisor, very the Nobel laureate, uh, is for the very first paper he wrote. His dissertation was about the uh, the city of Birmingham, England, in the eighteen hundreds, which was a giant factory, making guns of all kinds. Up from cannons to pistols. Uh, it's called Birmingham Small Arms. But it was not one company, it was hundreds of companies, hundreds of small shops. One shop made the uh, barrels, another shop made the stocks. And some entrepreneurs' job was to get them together. Didn't make anything, but would, would buy stocks from one uh, shop would buy barrels from another shop and then take them to an another shop where they were assembled uh and the he thought that that was a, a marvelous example of the specialization of labor and it it shows that um contribution, cre- contribution, creation of values, it sort of starts with the individual, and it can start for a small. And
0: you know what else? I think it really illustrates the fact that together everyone achieves more. You know, there's the same team, is mm-hmm. that we don't really make it alone. We do have to work together, but using our own specialties. Yeah. So when we use those gifts and those unique talents that we have, then as a whole that we have a grander product that we can offer.
3: Yeah, yeah, and, and that's what the economy is for. That's what the economy does. Uh, that, that's what the markets are for, because the the only way that you know what is value is if it's of value to someone else. Uh, it, sometimes, you know, you, could, you can make your own uh, bread uh, as kind of a hobby, but, but by and large, we specialize. Uh, so for us, value is what other people value.
0: So it really comes back to the very, very first line in your book, Dysfunctions of the Welfare State, is the wealth of any nation is equal to the productivity of her people. And once we quit being productive and relying on foreign resources and, uh, and others to do it instead of initiating ourselves, that's when we fail.
3: Yes, yes.
0: Well, we are talking to Joel Clark Gibbons. He is the author of Dysfunctions of the Welfare State as well as many, many other books. He's the president of logistic research and trading company. He's been a lecturer at universities across the U.S., and you have more Ph.D.s than anybody I know. (laughs) And I just honor the fact so much, Joel, because you're a reservoir of information, and yet it's not gloom and doom because what you're saying is that we do have answers if we get to work right now, and we can really work on ourselves and then work together. We can create the kind of life that we deserve to have, and we can be the nation we once were, but we're going down the wrong path at the moment.
3: Uh, yeah, I, I think that's a very accurate summary. Uh, the the uh, One of the, you might say, the bad choices in history uh, has to do with money, Um uh, and it is tied up in an institution called the Federal Reserve Bank and the Federal Reserve System. Uh, the, by, by monopolizing, by, by letting the Federal Reserve monopolize the creation of money, we essentially made an institution that is basically a government agency. Uh, technically, it's private, but in, in reality, it's a government agency that has literally unlimited dollars. Uh, so that's, wow. You want to, you want to get real close to whoever has unlimited dollars.
0: Except for haven't they just been printing money without the gold or without the real, the stuff to back it up?
3: Well, uh, yes, yes. They, they, they have unlimited, <laughs> unlimited dollars. Uh, and so the, it is, it is given the appearance, since dollars are, for many purposes, wealth, uh, riches. Uh, it has is, it is created an institution with, with seemingly unlimited wealth. So the, the this is the basis of our of our you might call it our economic policy. You know you hear about Keynesianism and and monetarism and various sort of isms and uh, stimulus and so on. All those things uh, they are they're all rooted in one fact, which is that. Uh, the, the government, through the Federal Reserve system, can just print more dollars and spend them. So when, they, when it has an objective, uh, something it wants to achieve, uh, they, there's no question of whether they can afford it. They can afford anything. Uh, they just because they make the money. Uh, that, that's not a bad thing per se. I'm, I'm not saying you know let's uh, burn down the house, but uh, it is. it's created an enormous illusion.
0: Well, and that illusion is what's going to make that house of cards because at some point people are going to start calling in things, especially now. I mean, are we in a recession or are we in a depression? We don't really, no one really says, but we can't, we have to have something to back it up. And with all the terrible scams and schemes and made-offs and all that that's been going on, I think that we have to start taking a closer look at what we're doing as individuals and as a country yes, and i do believe that your book is going to open some eyes to things that people haven't thought about this book is dysfunctions of the welfare state joel clark gibbons he'll be on the show again he has other books and i can't wait to read them they're rethinking the headlines and i'm really excited about man and god in the world very very radical kind of thinking joel I really I appreciate this thinking outside the box and the the easy way you explain things. Let's give out your website so people can go to your website. You'll be able to hear the interviews here at his website too, but pick up his books, follow what Joel's doing. I think that you will be able to find some enlightenment and as together we can work together. We'll we can live in live the life that we want to live and live in this beautiful country and not let it become a third world nation. So the website logisticresearch.com? dot com.
3: That's correct.
0: L O G I S T I C and the word research dot com. Logisticresearch dot com. Joel Clark Gibbons and this book, Dysfunctions of the Welfare State. Just wrap it up for us, Joel. Give us like a word of encouragement or kind of a final word that you'd like to leave us with.
3: The, uh, the word of encouragement is that uh, when you think about what you're, going, what you're doing, uh, especially in a work like uh, doing, uh, focus on the results. Don't fo- focus on the activity. Focus on what it will achieve. Uh, the the dysfunction of the welfare state, the central dysfunction, is to is to put effort ahead of results, put hiring people in in front of producing stuff. They're not contradictory, but but you've got to get you know if you're going to make a lot of mistakes until you get the order right.
0: Well, use Thanks the wisdom the- of the ages and the wisdom of the natural law, and you can read about it in Dysfunctions of the Welfare State. Joel, like always, it's such a pleasure to have you. It's a great honor to have you here on the show, dispensing your very um, concrete wisdom, I would say. I th- it just It makes so much sense. So thank you so much for joining us again on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, and we'll look forward to your next visit.
3: It's always a pleasure.
0: Thank you so much. Well, when we come back from break, we're going to have a little bit of free media training for you. Stay with me. I am Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. And there are no accidents. Stay with us.
1: Listen. 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 The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel.
3: Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan.
0: Do you find that you are accident prone? Does everything happen to you in threes? Perhaps these mistakes are not accidents at all, but a sign from your subconscious mind that your life is not the way you want it to be. Experts agree that the so-called quote, unquote, accidents, can be indications of deeper trouble we may be avoiding. Instead of lamenting, why does everything happen to me? The better response would be, why am I creating this challenge? Sometimes we have to look inside to find out what the real trouble is outside. Now, current mental states generate more misfortunes than others. For example, if your mind is cluttered or troubled, you're not going to be able to pay attention. That's when you fall. That's when you break something. That's when you crash a car. And it may not be an accident. It may be just a very cluttered mind. Now, other people want to be a victim. They like people feeling sorry for them. They have that poor me syndrome. Now, these people are passive. They don't stand up for themselves And they actually enjoy being the fall guy or the fall girl. The antidote is to take control. I always say there are no victims. There's only volunteers. Many competitive types of people tend to make more mistakes as well because they're not taking measured risks. They're being daredevils. Aggressive people may overestimate their abilities. They may be too macho. They may lack self-discipline to say no. Instead, macho people will plunge headfirst into trouble and then wonder why they're always having accidents. I coach my clients that could and should do little good. The best way to predict the future is to create it. So why not envision it as a place of peace, balance, and health? Take a look at the signs that you have been given and determine if you are creating your own discomfort. Color your world with positive thoughts, actions, and deeds, and you may find that divine synchronicities are replacing those dreadful accidents. Remember, you are the star of your own performance Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another business bite from Star Style. For more information, visit star-style.com or for a coaching session, call 925-377-7827.
1: Cynthia Bryan is your guide on the side. www.cynthiabryan.com You can be the star you are. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel Where the world comes to listen and talk. That's one 613 1612 or send an email to info at bethestarur.org. Now back to Star Style, Be the Star You Are with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Be the star, you are.
0: I sure hope you're having fun today and getting informed with these great ideas and that incredible book, Dysfunctions of the Welfare State. And now I'm going to take... This segment to give you a free media coaching session. As a media coach, I get a call almost every day asking for just five minutes of my time so that I can explain everything that the person needs to be and do to be successful in TV or radio and print. Of course, it's not that easy, but since I've been both a producer, a writer, well I should say not both, I should, I've been, worked in every phase of the entertainment industry, but For radio and television, I've produced and hosted and written for more than 30 years. I feel I do have an understanding of the challenges that everyone faces. And let me tell you one thing. It doesn't matter how great your product, how great your service, or how great your message is, the only way you're going to get yourself on a program is if you are able to give what I call good show. That means that you must not only have a great hook, you must be able to pitch it with pizzazz, You must know who you're talking to, know the demographics, and you really have to know your subject. Not everyone wants what it is that you're selling, but you might be able to help people live a better life if you speak from the heart. So I always say to people, think like a producer. Ask yourself, what's going to grab that audience for the particular show? What is going to bring in the ratings? What is going to provide what I call edutainment? Which is what we do here at Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We want education combined with entertainment with a little bit of humor thrown in just for good measure. And we want to make sure that we're disseminating this in, you know, in an infotainment way that we're providing the entertainment with information. So very important that if you're trying to get on a show that you can see it that way. There are a few things that you have to remember if you want to get booked by the media. Remember that you're in show business and everything is about the show. More than that, everything in the producer's mind is about the particular show that they are inviting you to do. So you want to do your homework before you approach any TV or radio producer and actually watch or listen to the producer's show, get familiar with the format, and how they ask questions, etc. Now here, just uh, I hope that you all realize this, but on Star Tale Be The Star You Are, every author who comes on this show, I personally read all of their books. And I read them cover to cover. I don't use cheat sheets. I don't just take questions that they offer me. I really want to read the book, understand it, ask my own questions, and hopefully these are questions that the audience and each individual listener will be interested in doing. But... Well, if you are pitching a show, you should also be aware of questions that are normally asked, or you might want to, if it would make you feel more comfortable, ask the producer if you can give a few tips of what questions you would like to be asked. The key is is to, again, know your subject. And always have a website or a phone number that you can give out so that either your listeners or people who are reading about you can go back and find more information about you. You want to brand yourself. Now, my company is Star Style Productions, and everything that I do showcases stars, my letterhead, my business cards. I wear stars all the time. My phone number has star in it. My website has that in it. My license plate it has that in it. I'm known as the star lady. That's branding. The charity Be the star you are, it all has to do with stars. Again, I have for the charity, there's the car that has that, the phone numbers, everything. So you want to brand yourself so you really uh, aren't an unknown figure. Get media training with video feedback so that you know how you look and sound. And that video feedback is really crucial. You'll be really shocked at your voice and your body language. When I'm working with people, so many are just completely unaware of how many times they blink or how many times they say uh or hum or they have uh, they have the little quirks or their their chin is like shaking or their lip is quivering or they're wearing the wrong colors if they're doing a television it's really important to have sound and video feedback make a list of the five to ten points that you'd like to get across in in any interview. You don't want to memorize the material ever. You want to feel it from the heart. And listen to the host who is asking the questions. If, If you don't have the exact answer, feel free to say, you know, I don't know the answer to that right now, but I'll be happy to get back to you or send you an email about it or come back on and share that information. So don't be an expert where you're not, but do at least attempt to give the correct information out. Now, if you're going to be on TV, remember no red, white, or black large prints, plaids, or stripes unless you're told to wear that. You want to wear colors that enhance your features but don't dominate the lens. Best colors that I have found for most clients on camera are blues, lavenders, pinks, greens, yellows. If you're going to be on camera, it's better to have a professional makeup and hairstylist to make you camera ready or to at least teach you how to be camera ready. And a great idea is to make some postcards and send them out as thank you notes. In this day and age where everything is email, it's amazing how often we forget to say thank you to people, and it really is important to me. I, I really believe in gratitude, and I'm always very grateful to the guests that come on. We have invited these guests. They are special to us. We know they have good books. and. They have, they're sharing their enthusiasm, their energy, their passions, and their expertise, and so we're very grateful to them. And of course, performance on radio or news shows, they're the workhorses of anyone who's written a book. So if you have radio as part of your communication plan, you can reach thousands or millions of people like we do here on this show. And, you know, it's not about selling the books, it's really about getting the information out there, and then the rest will follow. Hopefully, the book sales will follow. Now, most radio shows these days, are they can be conducted over the telephone or they can be conducted from the studio. But if you are not in a studio, you want to be in a place that has a good connection with no background noise and where you can talk for an uninterrupted time, and that means no call waiting on your phone. So you want to make sure that you would disconnect that. Now, here are a few guidelines if you are going to be doing a show and you're going to be doing it over the telephone, always make sure to confirm with the producer the time zone. And I, I can say this um, for me. Years years ago and early in my career, I was invited to be on a radio show. It was going to be by, by phone, and the show was out of New York City. And, of course, I know that's Eastern Standard Time, and so I had emailed the uh, not email. I had called the producer and said because we didn't even have email then, and asked if it was Eastern Standard Time the six o'clock that they were saying, or was that Pacific? And they said it was Pacific. Well, it really wasn't. It was Eastern time, and so there's definitely a difference. You want to make sure find out your time zone. Don't use a cell phone if you're calling into a station, if at all possible. It's much better to be on a landline and don't use a speakerphone or an extension. You don't want to have anybody listening in because uh, you'll get some feedback. And if there are any uh, phones that are near your phone, you really should unplug them because you're not going to have a um, a good signal. Also, when you're going to be on the radio, and that's the same usually with here, you're not going to have somebody come and say you're on the air you just want to make sure that you are ready to go from the time the engineer picks up the picks up your line and welcomes you and usually the host will say well welcome you to the show we're doing an introduction and then that's your hint to say hello and keep going you don't really want to talk about the weather because your time may be short if you're on hold on a show don't be coughing don't be talking to other people just sit there and listen what's going on because you might be able to refer to it back in the show. Today on our show, uh when Joel Clark Gibbons came on, he had listened obviously to Heather and I in our previous segment talking about living a life of purpose. And it was able to he was able to mesh that together with his book, Dysfunctions of the Welfare State. He is saying that we really need to find our specialties and to have meaning in life. So that was a really good example of listening and then keep it keep it clean and and keep the flow going of the radio program and what the topics are. Always have a glass of water with you, and if you're not an energetic person, I suggest standing up for any interview as opposed to sitting down. We have a lot more energy when we're standing as opposed to when we're sitting. So it's if you want to come across as being very passionate and you're kind of one of these people that are, mono, you know, very kind of monotonous voice, stand up and pump that energy up. Put a smile on your face. That will come across on the radio. When Heather and I are in the studios. We're always giggling and laughing and, you know, cueing each other and piggybacking on what each other says. The thing is is that we have fun doing this show. It gives us pleasure to bring this information to you, and I really love promoting the guests and the books that we do. So that's important. And if uh, if I ever mispronounce somebody's name or anything, then, you know, I want to make sure to correct it. And if you are a guest that has your name mispronounced, feel free to correct it. But you always want to make the host look good. Just keep that in mind because it is their show. So you, these are just a few little things that you can do to create a great performance and to get your words across. And make sure to practice, practice, practice. When friends and family aren't available to help you, you know, interview yourself out loud. Keep in mind, this is my final words, that nobody was born a media star. It does take practice and patience and perseverance Don't take yourself too seriously. Be able to laugh at yourself and know that failure is fertilizer. It's that compost for your new garden. And most of all, remember that the media needs you as much as you need the media. So if you have something to offer them that's valuable, it is important to let people know in the business that you are interested. If you would like a a complimentary copy of Think Like a Producer, I'll be happy to send it to you. Send me an email, Cynthia at star and ask for Think Like a Producer. And I want to thank you all for being with us this week. Heather, Brittany, and I are with you every week for the expert advice, for fun, and to help you have success. And we bring you the renowned authors from around the globe. The show is brought to the airwaves under the auspices of Be the Star You Are charity. Please make a donation today, be org. Until we celebrate next week, I am here to encourage, inspire, inform, and motivate. Have a great one. This is Cynthia Bryan. I thank you and encourage you. Be The Star You Are. We'll talk next week.
1: Thanks again for listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. For more information about Be the Star You Are Nonprofit Corporation, please visit org. That's org. Join Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany again next Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, here on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember, to be a leader, you must be a reader. Enjoy a stellar week. You're
3: a seeker.